Okay, so uh, I have on my heart for today and for next week um, what I am calling how to get through problems with Jesus. <laughs> and uh, I believe that uh, we, this is just important, and it's kind of like I, 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 the best way I know to describe what's in my heart is just kind of pastorally, um, you know, we've got issues. And uh, issues, we're always going to have issues in life. We're always going to have problems. But sometimes the problems that we're carrying, be it six-degree weather, trying to get the car ready for your wife, or something way bigger than that, can weigh on your heart and actually uh, impair what God wants to do in your life because of our inner space. And I want to speak into that this morning that there are problems that we face, but there's also a Savior. And He didn't only come to save us in the sense of eternity and save us from eternal damnation. He came to actually be our leader here in this earth and to lead us into His victory. And He said, be of good cheer. How many of you know sometimes when you're going through some stuff, it's hard to be of good cheer? So be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. And the whole idea is that he is victorious. And while we will go through issues, following Jesus does not mean that we are exempted from going through serious stuff. There's also serious help from the victorious one through the issues. So it's not only about getting through so we can have a better life and better circumstances. Although I do believe God wants us to get us through in that sense usually. It's not only about that. It's about his kingdom coming and his glory being known through, and his testimony of who he is happening through our lives. So how to get help through problems with Jesus. Some of us may be facing troubles um, with our spouse, you know, concerns or, or, or issues with our spouse, or maybe it's our family. Some of us have concerns about our kids, and these are serious things, and they weigh on our hearts. Some of us may have uh, adult children, and we've got concerns about them or grandkids. Some of us um, have issues of physical sickness uh, that we're, we're dealing with or, or various kind of ailments of that nature. Some of us may have significant issues in our place of employment, our work, our, our, or perhaps we have business ventures that we're stepping out into, and it just seems completely overwhelming. Some of us um, can possibly have struggles in kind of the mental health range, whatever it may be, uh, I just want to speak pastorally from my experience in following Jesus and the Word of God, some of the things that I know to be true to help us through those things, those problems. So I just want to look at three things. We're going to begin this week, and then we're going to kind of get more into it next week as well. Uh, but today I want to look at these three basic ideas. One let your problems draw you to Jesus. Let your problems draw you to Jesus. Secondly, decide what you believe and expect. In the midst of your problems, decide what you believe and expect. Uh, believe and expectation are, faith and expectation are, very, are almost synonymous in the scripture. And then thirdly, is decide what you speak. Decide what you speak. So let's look at that first one. Let problems 
draw you to Jesus. Uh, it's funny how this goes, but oftentimes problems that we're walking through tend to draw us away from Jesus. I don't know why that would maybe be the case in your life. I think that for some of us, a lot of us, just like we were looking at last week and we talked about God is good, I think a lot of times we go through stuff and we believe that it is evidence of how God is towards us. And some of us, even from a theological perspective, I believe, I would humbly submit, I believe that there are floating out there doctrines related to the sovereignty of God and with the best of intentions, and I'm, I, I don't mean to be arrogant, but uh, when I say this as if I'm the possessor of all truth, but I humbly would submit, I believe that some of our ideas around the sovereignty of God, which is to say that God is sovereign, he, everything, so we can get to a place where we believe in God's sovereign, uh, sovereignty that everything that is happening in this world is his perfect will. And Jesus demonstrated something that was very different. Jesus never once, when he came into the earth, did he find somebody that came to him wanting to be healed and said, well, no, you are sick because God has chosen. Because God, if you're sick, that means that the sovereign will of God has made you to be this way. Did he ever do that once in all four Gospels? Never once. And so I would, I would say let's be very careful about allowing our problems to prophesy and speak to us prophesy isn't the right word, but teach us to speak to us about the character and nature of God because it, it, if anything, it is speaking of the character and nature of the prince of the power of the air, the ruler of this world, the, the ruler of darkness that brings this stuff to us. So let your problems draw you to Jesus. Let's, if you want to turn there with me, you can look at Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30, well-worn uh, text, Jesus says this, listen to this carefully, come to me. Let your problems draw you to Jesus. Come to me, all of you who are heavy, uh, weary and heavy laden. Weary and heavy laden. I don't know about you, but sometimes when I'm dealing with some problems and I haven't found that place with Jesus in the problem, I can, the problems produce that sense right there. Weariness and being heavy laden. Heavy laden means to be carrying a burden. Come to me, all of you who are weary and heavy laden. And what, what's going to happen there? I will give you rest. Now check this out. Take my yoke upon you. Which is to say, if in case we don't know what a yoke is, because that's Y-O-K-E, not Y-O-L-K. We're not talking about him having a, a yoke. A yoke is something that would be put around the shoulders of oxen so that as they would walk forward, the strength of that oxen at, uh, uh, with the yoke around its shoulders attached to the plow behind it would be able to plow the ground. The yoke, in other words, represents something of a burden, if you will, something of in a good way or a bad or a good way. Jesus is saying, come to me, take my yoke. In other words, your problem is putting a yoke on your shoulders. I know you know what I'm talking about. You walk through issues, you become oppressed by the stuff that you're carrying. That's a yoke. 
Jesus is instructing to us in that situation is to come to me. I will give you rest. And in that place, there's an exchange of yokes. You've got to give your yoke to Jesus. You've got to yield that thing that's burdening you over to him. And he's going to put a yoke upon you in, in its place. In other words, there's going to be something you're looking to him for instruction in the midst of your problem. And he's, you're looking to him for his divine guidance and his word to your heart about what he sees, what he wants you to do, how he wants you to see things. You're coming to him and exchanging the yoke. You release the burden to him and you take on his perspective, which is what you're seeking. Take my yoke upon you. For, listen to this, I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. It's so important. It's this whole thing that we looked at last week. God is good. And in believing that, knowing the character and nature of, the, of, of God, you see, when you're going through some problems, sometimes you can think that those problems is Jesus doing this to me, and, and therefore I, 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 he's not gentle, he's not lowly in heart, he's, he's severe and he's harsh and i'm afraid of him and jesus is saying no don't let those things dictate how you see me i am lowly of heart which means i come to serve i'm gentle i'm lowly of heart and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light can i ask us to agree right now for you to agree with jesus that if the yoke that you're carrying is heavy and, and, and wearisome. It's not the yoke that he's given you. His yoke is always easy and light. And that's good news if you're carrying something that's wearisome. It just simply means that you need to come to him. You haven't, you haven't really come to him. You haven't really released that thing yet and taken his yoke upon you. I, I remember... Uh, when I was a freshman in college, I was I was uh, worried de- dearly about my parents because I had come into this newfound faith and I knew I had become born again. I knew my inheritance was in heaven and I also knew did not know about my parents and where they stood with this thing. And it was burdening me. And there were other some, some other burdening, burdensome things as well. There were some sin issues that I felt completely controlled by. I've talked to you guys about that many times. And there were, um, I was also concerned about going home for summer because I was at the ca- this campus where I was, I was surrounded by uh, campus ministry and, and strong Christian friends. And I knew when I went back to Atlanta for the summer break that I didn't know one Christian back there. And I knew a whole lot of people who were doing stuff that I should not be doing. And I was worried about what's going to happen to me when I go back there. Am I going to backslide? Am I going to walk away from Jesus completely? Uh, am I going to be able to stand up to the peer pressure and everybody wondering why, what's wrong with you? Why aren't you partying it up with us like you used to? I didn't know if I was going to do that. And so I remember I took a, uh, a day, the church that we were part of, we was doing a day of prayer and fasting. And, um, and so it was the first time I had ever fasted. And I'll never forget this. I was in my dorm room by myself. Um, and I remember like being dreading my, my uh, dorm uh, dorm mate, whatever, my roommate coming home because I didn't know he was going to come home and he wasn't of the same faith persuasion as me. And, and there I was fasting and, and it, it doesn't matter that this is what was happening, but I just found myself as I was praying about my parents' salvation, about the sin issue, and about protection for me as I went back to Atlanta. 
that I just began to rise up in my, I came to Jesus with those issues. And, uh, and, I, and as I came to Jesus, I began to realize, I, I just could sense God wants to help me with all three of these things. And I remember I just started feeling, this is not a, a, a recipe for how to get breakthrough, although it could help some of us. I started feeling in my spirit an unction to begin to just dance in celebration of what I was asking for but I had not yet received, being breakthrough in the sin issue and the other two things I mentioned. And I just began to praise God and thank God there in the dorm room. And once again, I did not want Jimmy to open up that door and wonder what the heck has this campus ministry done to you, bro? But I was just praising God, and I just, I, it was like I was celebrating. The more I praised, the more I, the, the victory, I, I, it became more real to me than the circumstances in the natural realm that I was actually walking through. And I began, I mean, I was celebrating. My parents are going to be saved. I'm going to break through this sin issue, and I'm going to be protected. My friends, that summer, I went home. My parents came to know the Lord that summer. I had huge breakthrough in the sin issue that I was talking about. Huge breakthrough. And that was, ended up being, I won't go into all the details, that summer, I probably grew more during that summer break than any other period in my life, spiritually. I, God turned it around and made it a huge thing. So why, what am I getting at? Come to me with these burdens. Th those three things were burdening me. And you come to him, you find Jesus in the middle of it, and and something of what he's willing from heaven, which we could not have scripted. All we know is what we see in our natural eyes, the natural information. Come to Jesus. He's got another plan. But we're never going to know it until we can start to connect with him in the midst of it. Everything in life is an opportunity to come, and to, to know, and to discover Jesus more. Everything. Certainly, your problems are a huge opportunity for you to come and to find Jesus. Let that sink in as you're going through problems. It's just an opportunity for you to seek and to discover Jesus on a deeper level. Every problem. And when you look at it through that lens, problems simply have become an opportunity for intimacy with the Lord. Let me ask you these questions, all of us these questions. What are your problems that, that are burdening or holding you down? What are they? Don't just kind of walk through life because you've gotten so used to it and, and allow something to be burdening you because the inheritance of the child of God is not burden. It is light yoke, easy yoke. What are your problems? Secondly, are you coming to Jesus in them? I, now, there are ways of coming to Jesus of just kind of ritualistic prayer where we're just kind of like, you know, sometimes it's even okay to just be like, help, you know, kind of have like no faith, just like tears and help. I get that. But ideally, we want to be building our faith up to where we are coming to Jesus with expectation that he is a savior and he is a powerful Lord. And he is there, able, and willing, and ready to help you as you come to him. Are you coming to Jesus, and are you exchanging your burden for his? Are you learning from him? 
in the midst of this thing. Let your problems draw you to Jesus. Secondly, decide what you believe and expect. This is the way I would like to say it. Don't let your problems become your address. You know, we we get our mail at at our address, and uh, our power bill gets sent to our address, and we have, it becomes our address, our physical address, when you get your your driver's license, they want to know what your address is. There's, it's like a, it's part of your identity, right? Your address. It's where you live. It's where you kind of settle in. And sometimes our problems can become our address. We, we, we just take ownership of them in the sense of part of our identity. This is kind of, this is kind of my lot in life. It's just kind of a thing. Do not allow it to become your address. Absolutely. As you journey through God's will for your life, you're going to have stuff that happens, for sure. Jesus had stuff. Paul the Apostle, for sure, had stuff. He was getting stoned on the regular. He was getting beaten. There were, there were some issues that Paul faced, and so on. And so that's, that's, we, we do have pit stops, if you will. We've got turns and twists in the journey of God, but, but these things aren't our address. Do not allow it to form part of your identity and take ownership of it. Don't even say it's my thing. You know what I mean? Don't be careful what you call your own. My, my sickness, my whatever. It, it, it's, it's something you're, you're going through. So don't let it become your address. Why? Because once you accept it as, quote, just the way it is, you stop partnering with God for kingdom breakthrough. The minute you just accept it, you are no longer expecting something of the kingdom. You're just kind of accepting it. I'm telling you, there is infinite, there are infinite possibilities available to the believer of the kingdom of God manifesting on earth as it is in heaven if we can get believers to believe. Now, that's not a condemning thing because sometimes the way it's taught is, well, you just don't have enough faith. That's not what we're coming from. I'm trying to encourage, trying to get underneath you and encourage you to, to start to get that gaze looking upward and seeing there is a whole realm of supernatural possibilities of the kingdom of God, just as it was in the life of Jesus. It is available to us if only we can get believers to actually believe. Instead of believing only what we see and understand with our eyes. To see the kingdom, we can access the kingdom. And so troubles, here's the problem with troubles. Well, there's lots of problems with troubles. But one is that troubles get us to believe what I call a bad report. Now, what am I, what am I talking about? I'm referencing a scripture. You can turn there if you want. Romans chapter 10. The issue is that heaven has a different report than what your troubles will tell you. So some of you have been to a doctor and you've, you've had maybe, you know, Mickey's, Mickey's facing, some, facing some issues and has had to go to a doctor. Doctors, when you, when you get tested by a doctor, they come back and they give you a report, right? Or um, you are maybe in school and you have finished your term and back in the 80s or 90s when I was a kid, you got a report card. Uh, or when the news broadcast 
you know, there's a, 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 a live report from from their correspondent at Capitol Hill or, you know, the, or the White House or whatever. There's a report that they give. Wh- what is it? It's 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 reporting on what's happening. Your troubles, your problems give you a report. Do you follow what I'm saying? They are telling you information. Of what to believe. And listen to this, Romans chapter 10, verse 16. But they have not all obeyed the gospel, for Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? Heaven has a report. There is a reality in heaven, and it looks exactly like things were through the life of Jesus. You want to know what heaven's report is? Look at Jesus. Exactly as he is, that is heaven's report. If the things that we are believing are incongruent with Jesus, Jesus needs to trump what we believe, no matter how much evidence we have in this, in this world. So troubles, problems speak to us of a bad report, but check this out. We must believe God's report about our problem. If you read that whole passage, let's look at it again. Romans chapter 10, verse 16. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report. So what's the solution? Verse 17. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. What are we talking about right now? Decide what you believe and expect. So the first thing with your problems is to let it cause you to go to Jesus. The second thing is to decide what you believe and expect in the midst of your problem. Because I am telling you, my friend, your problem is going to want you to believe something that is not the gospel truth. And you've got to decide. And how do you decide? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So to partner with Jesus in our problems, it simply boils down to believing what God says. And I want to give an example of, practically speaking, what this has looked like. Um, And I've used this before, but I believe it's worth saying again because I believe it's an example that God, Jesus, has actually planted in this local church so that we can all behold something and be challenged by something. And that something would be the life of Rodney Lloyd. Uh, some of you have uh, were around at the time that Rodney got the diagnosis of cancer. Some of you did not. But I just want to just kind of illustrate what, not to glorify Rodney and, and Nita, but just to point out some things that perhaps you on some level witnessed yourself. It was, he was ordained, he was set into uh, eldership in, in this church in November of 2018, I believe. And what was it, March, Minda? of 2019 she doesn't remember um that he started having an ankle issue that he knew he needed to go into the to the doctor to get it fixed while as they were doing a surgery on uh on his ankle they ran some other tests long story short came back and discovered that there's cancer in his kidneys and that was devastating he was Perhaps not. It was it was questionable as to whether his health could sustain what he needed to go through, and they didn't know what you know he was going to go through. He had to go through targeted therapy and immunotherapy, and uh, 
immediately went into like a long season of basically being not bedridden but like incapacitated on a significant level and uh can i just say during that whole time and it was a long process but how i mean 2019 2020 and well into 2021 before he was in remission that was 2021 at some point so at least two years at no time now I've spent a lot of time with Rodney. At not once over that whole time did either Rodney or Nita complain once. Can I, if we all kind of are the same with our problems, with those who are closest to us? Now, there is a place to have those who are confidence in your life that you can just allow your emotion, you know, get stuff off your chest and stuff. And that's fine. My point is, I watched Rodney during this process go back to something that he had believed going all the way back to the 70s. You may or may not believe the same way, but he has believed going all the way back to the 70s, this scripture, Isaiah 53, verse 5, uh, he was wounded, Jesus, for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. And Jesus, I mean, uh, Rodney took that passage of scripture and chose, he decided to believe again that I'm not asking to be healed, I am healed. And uh, this is not a teaching on trusting God and in faith for healing. That's not what I'm I'm doing here, but I'm just giving you a testimony of what Rodney did. He took that scripture and, and that's something that had become an illumination to him, as I said, going all the way back in the 70s. He stood on that scripture in times past, and this cancer issue and all the physical ailments attached to it became a problem that became an opportunity for him to dig into Jesus and to go back to his word and to stand on his word. And from that time forward, he would not say things like, my cancer. He wouldn't complain. He wouldn't give credit. He wouldn't magnify the cancer. What would come out of his mouth was what he believed to be the truth. And that man walked all the way through that, is in remission. We've seen him, like, total testimony, not to mention the drop neck syndrome, the exact same thing. You guys remember that when Rodney couldn't, like, walk around, he had his neck falling down? I mean, how many of you would complain with that, right? (laughs) I was complaining, and it wasn't even me, you know? Like, this guy, and and you are not supposed, there is no cure for dropped head syndrome. I mean, that was a miracle that he stood on that scripture, and you saw, you've seen, he is standing with his, his he's cured, he's healed. The doctors have no explanation for it. He stood on that thing, and so what I'm saying is, in your problem, decide what you're going to believe. Some of you already are thinking, I don't know the scripture, I don't know, no, it's an opportunity for you to crack open the Bible. Ask the Lord to show you something. You start seeking the will of God, and God's going to meet you there. We all start somewhere. So decide what you're going you're to believe. To partner with Jesus in the problems, we, we believe what he says. And so let me ask us these questions. Again, what is our problem, and what report what might we be believing because of that problem? I hope right now we can expose some lies. And you can realize that perhaps I have been believing something that Jesus does not believe. 
I'm listening to the information of a problem rather than listening to the voice of the victorious one and hearing from his perspective. What does God say? Settle it. There is something about settling this thing. Wavering faith will not bring breakthrough. And there's something about deciding. This is what I'm going to believe. Why? Because God said it. Not because I'm so spiritual and so spiritually strong. It's just simply a choice of saying, this is what God has said, and I'm going to choose that. In a sense, it's like this. I would rather die, if needs be, trusting what God has said, rather than dying and believing what the problem is telling me. I, I don't believe we are going to die because of trusting what God has said, but you follow what I'm saying? I would rather go down, if I'm going to go down, let me go down trusting God rather than going down being overcome by my problems and circumstances. And so there's something about deciding, this is what I'm going to believe. Is there any doubt in your heart when you make that decision? Sure. But in a sense, who cares? You can build yourself up in your faith by simply Every time that doubt comes to your mind, you go back to the scripture. And it's a way of honoring God in the middle of your problem. You're honoring what he says over what the problem says. Thirdly, and lastly, is decide what you will speak. So important. Uh, Can I just explain? And this may be a challenge for everybody. Even myself, this has been a challenge. But this has been something that I have come into understanding over the past year or so uh, in a greater way. And I I hope to encourage you with it. But let me just say this to start off. Words are creative and they are powerful. Now, even the non-Christian community have caught on to this. I've got lots of clients who talk about, you know, their real estate investing and they they start, like, saying things. Like, I've got a client who said he was just, like, putting it out there to the universe. He's speaking. He's speaking to manifestation. Like, uh, so there's all this, these beliefs. And, and Christians can, can be like, oh, like, but, but actually, you know, they're catching on to things that are real. Uh, you know, just because there's a counterfeit something doesn't mean that there isn't an authentic counterpart. And it, words are creative and powerful. So where, where am I kind of getting that? Well, if you look right at the beginning, like the beginning, Genesis chapter 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and created the heavens and the earth. Drop down to verse 3. How did he create? And God said words, let there be light. Isn't that interesting? God did not go to a little tool shed and grab his hammer and his chisel and get the materials. God's way of creating is speaking. And then if you drop down to the 27th verse of Genesis chapter 1, it says that, and God created, well, let me read it actually, lest I misquote the scripture. God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. So if God presents himself at the beginning of Genesis chapter 1 as creator, and he creates by speaking, and then he creates mankind in his own image, the one who created by speaking, don't you think our words carry creative power? And we're going to look at some other scriptures in just a minute and prove from the scripture they carry great spiritual and material power. I want to say in your problem, 
Be careful about what you're speaking. And if you're going to speak, let it be speaking according to what God says. Because my friends, it releases power to bring what is available in the kingdom into the earth. Decide what you're going to believe. That's what uh, faith, uh, how does it go in Romans 10? That uh, if you have believed in your heart, you believe with your heart and confess with your mouth. It's believing in your heart and confessing with your mouth, then you'll be saved. And in the same way that you get saved, by believing in your heart and speaking with your mouth, you believe in your problem, the truth of God, and you speak the truth of God with your mouth. I know that's uncomfortable for some of us, but I would say, do it your way. You don't have to do it the way Rodney does it. You know, Rodney does his declarations and I am healed. Don't, don't be Rodney. Do it the way you do it. But speak the word and don't speak the problem. We must align our beliefs with God's truth and align our words with those truths. Now, listen to this, because Jesus goes right into this thing. Mark, Mark chapter 11. Please hear this. Jesus answered in verse 22 of Mark 11. Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God. That's a good starting point. Verse 23, For assuredly, I say to you, whoever says. Can you say says? Can you say says? Says. Words. Whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes those things he says, speaks, says, believes those things he says, will be done, he will have whatever he says. That passage of scripture, the word believe is mentioned once. Says is three times. Kenneth Hagin, who pioneered what's called Rhema Ministries, where Rodney and Nita both went to Bible college as well as Rodney was on the faculty later on at Rhema, Kenneth Hagin would say this about that passage of scripture. The church does not have a belief problem, for the most part. It has a speaking problem. It's what we believe, but what, look at all the junk coming out of our mouths because of our problems. The, what happens? The problems become a burden. The burden becomes something that becomes toxic in our heart. And then the toxicity that is in our heart, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And we begin to prophesy creatively and powerfully in alignment with our problem rather than in alignment with God. Some of us have issues with our kids, with our workplace, with our physical body. I'm saying, why don't we begin to go to Jesus and really dig in? Jesus, what do you want to teach me in this thing? I want to align my faith and my words with you in this thing. Okay, half, I'll just testify, over the past year, easily, I would probably want to say, because some of you have watched the, the journey, that uh, you know that I prayed for a year about God opening up a door into the suburbs, and today we've got a venue 
that we can walk in and use and we're beginning to put plans together for this year for this venue in the suburbs and begin to uh, pray you guys know the story right i prayed about Cobbtown, that place in south georgia and now we have like all sorts of stuff going on there and rodney Nieder are down there right now but that all came i am utterly convinced for, from praying for a year because i sensed it was the will of god about these things and so i started praying my testimony with us has been i've been praying you want to know the reality i would say over the past year i'm not giving you a recipe again but my testimony the past year, I'd probably say about 50% of my prayers is declaring, not asking, declaring. And, and it's why? It's because I have learned that I have, I, I, it's not that I am powerful. Jesus has, God has made us in his image, and we are his authorized representatives on earth and have been given power with our words. And if I discern on earth what God's will is in heaven, I have authority to speak it. I, some of you might be messed up, and I hope, I hope it's not, but I am convinced of this. Jesus said, if you say to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea, and don't doubt in your heart, you shall have it. And can I mess this up even a little bit further? There's no chapter and verse that tells you that God's will is to remove that mountain. It's kind of like if it's a desire in your heart, as long as it's not sinful or contrary to the kingdom, you've got authority. And so I've begun declaring things. I'm not, I, I, the reason I'm belaboring this point is because for so long for me, I didn't want to declare because I felt like I was being um, presumptuous. And I don't want to be presumptuous. And, and so for a long time, I've said, okay, if it's in the word of God, I can declare it. And I would, I would challenge everybody in this room. If it's in the word, you, you're not being presumptuous to declare some things. But I want to take it a step further. I've been doing that for a year, and I've been seeing like, God start to do stuff. And I'm fully expecting God to do stuff in 2024. And I'm starting to move over into this lane where I'm like, well, wait. Actually, it doesn't even have to be patently in the scripture. Sometimes God just gives us desires in our heart, and we can start to declare this stuff. But that's for another day. I'm not. I'm not a heretic. I believe that this is in the Scripture. So once you settle your expectation, right? Because we want to come to Jesus, then we decide what we're going to believe and expect. But once you decide, then it's time to begin speaking. If we have really made that decision, we've got to align our words with what we say we believe. And I'm going to warn you, some of you, if you've never done that before, can I just warn you right now, it's going to feel weird, depending on your personality. If it doesn't feel weird, some of y'all have personalities that need to tone it down a bit. You just like, get, you know, full charge, full force ahead, you need an easy tiger. But for me, it felt weird the first time I did this. Who am I? What, you know, what, but the minute I began to realize I am not doing this on my own volition. I'm actually doing it in his stead. And Jesus told us to pray in his name. And that's all that that means. It means to pray in his name simply means to pray on his behalf. In his name. I'm representing him. 
if I know that what I'm speaking and praying out is his will, then I can do it with authority and gusto and expectation. I'm not telling God what he must do. I'm agreeing with what, what God said he wants to do. Thank you. What you speak about your problem frames what becomes of it. So uh, we're about to close, but uh, I do just want to read this scripture. James chapter 3. Now, if you've ever read James, James does not miss his words, baby. James is going to slap you upside the face. Uh, And so some of the way James even describes this situation about the power of our words is is a little harsh, but but nevertheless, pick out the, uh, here, the principle that James is addressing here. James chapter 3, verse 2. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say, that's what we're talking about, what you say, is perfect, able to keep the whole body in check. What he's saying is some of us can keep our body, you know, from erring, but few of us can keep our, this part of our body from erring. Check this out. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. He's talking about the power of the tongue here. Or take ships as an example. Although they are very large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Y'all see the picture here? A ship, a vessel, big, and it's actually controlled by a very small rudder. And James is likening the tongue to that rudder. In other words, the ship of your life, the course of what happens through your life, is actually controlled in many cases by the words you speak. We're going to hear that very thing in just a minute. Verse 5, likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. What, what does that mean, great boast? It means it determines the course of your life. Though it's small, it has huge power. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. I love this imagery he's using. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body. Listen to this. It sets the whole course of one's life on fire and is itself set on fire by hell. Now, I'm not saying that, or James isn't saying that your tongue has to be set on fire by hell. But he is saying that believers can get into a place where that is the case. That all, what's coming out of our mouth is, has nothing to do with what God says and be, wants us to believe in. We are agreeing and coming into agreement and partnering with the lies of the enemy. And it sets our course, is the main point that I'm getting with reading this passage of Scripture, your tongue sets the course. Now, I'm not, I'm not talking about speaking so that we can receive and get what you get, you know, just that whole prosperity, like getting all the stuff that we want. That's not where we're coming from. We're talking about being vessels of the kingdom of heaven so that God's will is done on earth as it is in heaven. And let me tell you, God's will is not for you to be oppressed. God's will is not is for you to not be oppressed. It's it's it is for the kingdom to manifest. So let's 
drop down to verse 9, with the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. He's getting at the hypocrisy and the kind of duality of what we believe and what we speak. Verse 10, out of the same mouth come praise and cursing, my brothers and sisters, this should not be. Hear what the scripture is saying. Our tongue needs to align with heavenly truth on the back end of our heart aligning with heavenly truth, which happens when we decide what to believe in the midst of our problems rather than being dictated to by our problems in terms of what we're going to believe by believing what we see with our eyes. Rather, see by your spirit as you seek Jesus and come to him and find out his perspective. Believe that, speak that. Can I just add on a, a quick little addendum to this? Firstly, this is not, and maybe I'm overstating the obvious, but to do what we're talking about doing, we cannot, we have got to eliminate words that prophesy fear, doubt, and actually magnify the problem that we're facing. How many of you know what I'm talking about? The problem that we're facing, we tend to magnify. We worship at its holy throne. It is great, are you, problem, and greatly to be feared. Do you understand? We, with our words and with our heart, we begin to magnify the problem. And the problems oftentimes do seem overwhelmingly huge, but that's where the test comes. That's where we speak what we see with our faith rather than with our vision. So eliminate the negative words that are prophesying. You know, my husband is completely hopeless in leaving this family. You are creating words, my friend. Uh, we're just always behind financially. I can't stop these thoughts. I've tried everything and it never works for me. There must be something wrong with me. That is partnership with hell. And we want to partner with a good God who speaks good things over a sons and daughters that he created in his image. And if the things that we're speaking don't apply to God, then you shouldn't be speaking them about you and your life. Can I address some objections? Of which there are two, and then we'll pray. Now, I'm sure there's probably two billion, perhaps, but uh, I'm going to address two that I can easily see happening. One, God is teaching me through my problem. So the argument is, I, I, don't have, I don't believe that I can trust to be delivered from this problem because God's wanting to teach me things through it. Love the attitude, love the teachability, love the humility expressed in that. That's awesome. And the fact of the matter is, I'm not saying that God's not teaching us by allowing us to walk through some stuff. But let me explain what he is teaching. He's teaching you his victory. He's not teaching you defeat. Never once did Jesus turn away somebody who came to him with faith to be healed and said, oh, oh, I, I can heal these other ten lepers, sorry, but God just told me that you, he's teaching some stuff. He, he, that is not the way God operates. Every problem is an opportunity for us to come to Jesus and learn of him. And to, so never once did Jesus turn away people that, that uh, yeah, I've already said it. If he's teaching you, he's teaching you 
with the end goal of there being a testimony that would speak of and reveal his glory and his power. So sure, he's teaching you, but that doesn't mean you, you own the problem that clearly is not something that's found in, 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 in heaven. My personal belief, I don't believe cancer is in heaven. So if I am diagnosed with cancer, I'm not going to own it. I'm not saying I won't receive therapy and treatment and all that. I'm not saying I'll be a weirdo. I'm just saying I'm not going to own it. I'm going to expect that God is, is healing, has healed. Uh, so, and then another objection could be, you know, well, I've already addressed it, but I don't, you may feel like you don't know the scriptures. So, you know, Rodney is just, you know, he, you know he, can, he can quote the Bible, the whole Bible, and I don't know the scriptures, and I, I just want to reiterate, and we'll close. Allow your difficulty, your problem, to become the impetus to drive you into the scriptures. In other words, allow that to create the hunger that you're wanting to seek. It's almost like the problem creates a, a, a context for God to have a special meeting place with you to seek and find him in the context of this problem. And in that way, what the enemy intends for evil, God works around for good, and God turns, works all things for good to those who love him and are called according to purpose. It's loving God in the midst of your problem that releases his hand to be able to turn it around for good. And you can't love God if we're not running to Jesus in the midst of our problem. Amen? Let's pray.